Stuck, we give nurses a place to belong. Whether that's the platform to be heard or the breathing room to be accepted right where we are today. Nurse Deck is proud to be built by our collective nurse voice. Our Insider's Perspective interview series showcases the true diversity in nursing experience through individual storytelling. We will hear from professionals from all walks of nursing life, in academia, at the bedside, in the C-suites of administration, and at the forefront of nurse-led innovation. Nurses are strong, but we need each other more than ever. Our stories connect and unite us, and we're thrilled to bring you a new one each week. I'm Jamie Smith, and this is Insider's Perspective of Nursing, the podcast. Hi everyone, my name is Jamie Smith. I am your host today on today's Nurse Deck podcast, and today we have Ashley Lynn Grimes. Hi there, Ashley. Hello, how are you? I'm great. We are excited to interview you, and we want to ask, can you describe your current job title and your responsibilities on a day-to-day basis? Right now, I am a full-time entrepreneur. So day-to-day, it is a, involves back-end system building and networking is how I spend most of my days, meeting new people, educating new people, and that whole back-end thing is very new to me and almost traumatizing at this point. (laughs) Your full-time job is that, well, we're going to get to that, but so you're a full-time entrepreneur, is that correct? Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. So that leads to the next question. How did you get started in nursing? And can you walk us through your journey leading to cannabis specialty and research? Sure. So I started like every other nurse. I went to uh, um, a nursing program. I graduated. I went to med surge because that's what they told me to do because that's what Mm -hmm. you're supposed to do when you graduate. And uh, I spent about four or five years med surge telemetry. Um, I ended up getting my master's in nursing education. And when I was doing that, I spent a lot of time in the float pool. I had three jobs hopping around. You know, it was great. And then after I got my master's degree, I worked in a transition practice program for new grad um, nurses in their first year. So basically it was my job to love on them and make sure that it wasn't traumatizing so they wouldn't quit their jobs. And then fast forward, I ended up in corporate hospital. So performance improvement, project management type thing. So understanding hospital systems and how to implement on a large scale. And then cannabis kind of came haphazardly. I learned about it. I learned about the endocannabinoid system. I realized there was a discrepancy in what I knew about. And to me, that was a a green light to kind of dig more into it, educate more people about it. And that's where I am today. That's awesome. So you did four to five years in med surge. Mm -hmm. Yep. And you worked in the on the float pool, so you got to go to other units and see what it was like. And you got your master's of nursing and education. You, you caught my attention. You said you worked with the transition of like new nurses. You were there as a support system. Is that right? So they wouldn't quit. I think that's cool. I wish I would have had that. Yeah. So back when I started, we didn't have that. You got your few weeks on, on orientation and that was it. And 
you might have had a preceptor that wanted you to be there or you might not have it didn't matter um but that person was supposed to show you the ropes and it didn't matter if the rules were the rules so basically when i did that transition to practice program they would have their preceptor we would hand pick the i would hand pick the preceptors based on what i knew what their abilities were and then that program was unique because they would go to all the, the units throughout the hospital so if you're an icu nurse you wouldn't immediately go to the ICU. You would spend some time in med surge. You would spend some time in the ED. You would spend some time in a step down unit, um, and then some of these special in different specialty areas. So I basically, I would just pop up. Hey, you know, nurse so and so. Like, how's everything going? You know, like bullying is a thing in the hospital, especially for new grads if they're not knowing stuff. So it would yeah. be me to say, hey, you know, like, how's it going with your preceptor? Um, you know, basically putting out a lot of fires that people experience um regularly but you know specifically for these new grads they just making sure that they felt like they had somebody there for them so um i would help implement programs and you know support the preceptors and all those kind of things just to make sure that that first year for those new nurses was pretty much seamless i think that's awesome i wish i would you know had something like that starting out because bullying is real but you ended up doing that then you worked corporate and then you got into cannabis which leads to our next question as a founder can you tell us more about the cannabis nursing solutions llc in your children's book aces medicine yeah so cannabis nursing solutions it's it's intended to educate and educate about cannabis medicine, empower nurses in moving in this stigmatized space. So one of the things that I've learned over the past couple of years is that it's very difficult for um, nurses to educate about regular stuff on a regular day, but it's exponentially difficult to educate people on cannabis or really the endocannabinoid system. So um, what we do is we provide the training, the education, and then we also provide uh, coaching group coaching and support so that way you know they can walk in this industry um with confidence and then aces medicine came about through my advocacy work um i was actually asked to work on a group guidelines committee so in maryland cannabis children are allowed to access cannabis on school ground and um the bill passed here in maryland uh, in 2020 it was house bill 617 in 2020 and upon that the the passing of that bill they needed a guidelines work group to pull put together the guidelines for the schools to follow and i was on that work group so although it was well written very you know intelligent group of people um very you know comprehensive i still had questions just as a nurse like for me it's just more questions to be asked about the experience of that child the experience of the teachers who have to support that child, the nurses who have to support that child, and then the experience for the children um, dealing with that child on a regular basis. So that's that's how ACES Medicine came to be. Nice. Well, thank you for that. So tell us about cannabinoid therapy and its contribution in improving patient and nurse quality. Yeah, so cannabinoid therapy. So let's see, how do we put this? Huh? Yes. Let's pause. I pronounced it wrong. How do you pronounce it? You you said it differently than me. How did you say it? Cannabinoid therapy. Canna oh my gosh, I'm embarrassed. <laughs> so this is a great example. We're going to re-ask this question. So, so how do you pronounce it? Cannabinoid therapy. So cannabis, but cannabinoid. Cannabinoid. 
cannabinoid. Uh -huh. Oh my gosh. Okay, we have got to do that over again. All right, you ready? Yeah. Love Nurse Social? Think all your nurse friends should join? Well, you can earn serious points and swag for each one that joins in. You'll get a unique link to share with friends and colleagues and earn rewards once they sign up and verify their nursing license or student ID. It's that easy. Learn more and sign up at refer.nursedeck.com today. Ashley, can you tell us about cannabinoid therapy and its contribution in improving patient and nurse quality? Sure. So cannabinoid therapy actually refers to the cannabinoids found within the can cannabis plant. So I could talk for a really long time on this, but I'm going to try and make it as clear as possible in as little words as possible. So um, in the cannabis plant, there are what's called phytocannabinoids or cannabinoids for short, because we also have endocannabinoids and those are also cannabinoids. So they, they, they mirror each other in a lot of ways and they both bind to receptors in our endocannabinoid system. So anyway, there are over a hundred cannabinoids, but there are two that people are very familiar with. There's CBD and THC, right? Those are the ones that we hear about all the time. We talk about all the time, but there are so many more that can be available to the patient to support their wellness. The purpose of cannabinoids and the endocannabinoid system is to maintain balance, homeostasis, or wellness. Um, and in a lot of cases, there's an opportunity for a patient who suffers a chronic condition to get support with cannabinoid therapy. And it doesn't necessarily have to include THC, which is something that people are always fearful. It also is not a reason to be deterred from consuming THC as well, because it also has multiple benefits. Anyway, all of that being said, the nurse, the healthcare provider needs to be aware of the endocannabinoid system and cannabinoids and their and their impact on the body. Right now, nurses pr pretty much ignore the fact that their patient may be positive for cannabinoids in the body. We do not ask questions that help us to understand the underlying reason why somebody would choose to consume it. We don't uh, educate the patient on um, you know, routes of um, methods of consumption. We don't ask the patient on where they are getting their medicine from because all of that contributes to uh, how well a patient can be. You see what I'm saying? So if you have um, cannabis and it may be laced in pesticide and you're laying there in the hospital, that could possibly be the reason why you're sitting there and you're sick today but we don't ask those type of questions or the interaction with other medications because um, you know, it blocks certain medications from being um, uh, broken down in some cases. Um, so there's a lot of questions that need to be had. There's a lot of um, participation with the patient's care. And then also just from a holistic perspective, uh, a holistic standpoint, really caring for the whole patient where they are today. So a lot of what we do as nurses, we put band-aids on stuff and, um, you know, we just tell people to kind of go off and go exercise and, you know, maybe diabetes will go away, but really taking some time to understand where that patient is and being able to develop something more comprehensive is where we talk about real quality 
of care. So the theory is if we incorporate not only cannabinoid therapy, holistic healthcare practices into the patient's care, we'll have better outcomes for the patient. So you caught my attention. You said cannabinoid impacts the body and you mentioned chronic disease. So does it help with pain? Does it help with like, what are the benefits of it? Um, it can decrease inflammation generally. Um, it can, pain is the number one reason why patients will come and consider cannabinoid therapy for um, their treatment option because opioids aren't really intended to be long-term. So usually it's a last straw, they're dealing with some other issues, it's not really working. Um, or, and then there's a whole host of other issues, seizure disorder, anxiety, um, for veterans, post-traumatic stress is a reason. Uh, and, and then also doctors do have the authority to um, recommend it for other conditions as well. Nausea is another one. Um, so yeah. patients who are on chemo and suffering from, you know, nausea or lack of eating or whatever, they can also stimulate appetite and things of that nature. So really about, it's not, sometimes the messaging gets kind of misconstrued where it's curing issues and it's not necessarily intended to be a cure is intended to be um, a tool for the patient if you know to increase their quality of life that's good to know so it helps with pain and helps to decrease inflammation you mentioned seizure disorder ptsd anxiety nausea so it has a lot of benefits yeah yeah definitely ashley what are the major challenges you face in the cannabis in industry and how do you deal with them um I think the biggest challenge for me is uh, communicating in a way where it can be received. So um, cannabis, marijuana, you know, what, whatever you want to call it, it's been stigmatized. We, the oh, yeah. 80s, 90s has been, you know, the war on drugs has been, this is your mind on crack. And we've gone through this era and it's been, you know, implanted in us subconsciously where it's like we're gonna go toe to toe on what we believe about this medicine, and because I come to the the conversation with a totally opposite perspective, sometimes people aren't interested in hearing what I have to say. So I feel like you know, if I was selling like scrubs or something, everybody be like, "Yes, girl, let's get these scrubs." <laughs> but here I am. I'm I'm wanting to educate on cannabis, and it's like, oh no, you might kill my son. Are you trying to say that nurses are supposed to smoke weed? No, I didn't say any of those things. None of that is part of what I'm talking about. But for some reason, that's what people hear when I'm speaking. So um, that's probably the biggest issue that I've faced. I can see that. So you're doing a lot of education. It sounds like. Yes. Yes. Ashley, how do you see the cannabis industry evolving? Um, it's going to evolve a whole lot. <laughs> uh, is it, we don't have a choice at this point. So multiple states uh, have legalized cannabis in some capacity, um, almost over 30, I think we're at 33, 34 states now, um, has, have legalized it in some capacity, whether it's for medical, whether it's for recreational or um, all 50 states have access to CBD across the country. So um, the reality is that people are choosing to consume it and know nothing about what they're consuming. And at this point, it's, I believe the last time I read it was a billion dollar industry, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that we're almost at a trillion dollar industry. Um, wow. You know what I mean? Like, it, because the dispensaries and all of these things are, are definitely 
increasing in their revenue over time. 2020, they saw a big spike because people were at home suffering from anxiety and all those kind of things. So um, the fact of the matter is the we as as providers are running into patients who are consuming but not sharing that information openly because they are fearful about what that means, how people will look at them. So it really is up to um, the nurse who really isn't included in um, the industry at this point. So it is a very clear division between healthcare and cannabis industry. And what I would like to see is healthcare and cannabis kind of coming together a little bit more seamlessly. So that way um, the, the nurses participation is a little bit more accepted. And I just want to clarify my statement a little bit because they do have doctors that are allowed to certify, but there's still a difference between the patient and the doctor because the doctor certifies, but they don't necessarily always or are required to provide education during that period of time that that patient is um, uh, consuming whatever medicine they're choosing to take. So in, in regular healthcare settings, the doctor prescribes and then the nurse kind of is that liaison between the patient and that doctor. And that's what's missing right now. Thank you for that. Mm -hmm. So as someone who has been engaged in life coaching with nurses, how do you feel about the current working conditions for nurses? And what do you think can be done in prioritizing the well-being and retention of the nursing workforce? It's appalling. And to be honest with you, um, the life coaching piece of it is, is a newer aspect that I've added to my business model. Because what I found is that when people would come to me for this education, it would stop right there. They would get the education and they go home and go take a nap. And that would be it. They didn't feel empowered to do anything with it. They didn't feel like, you know, it was a responsibility for them. And it's and for me, it is more uh, less about giving you something so you can give me some money, but more about making a difference. So the reason why this exists is because I knew that my voice could not be the only voice. Right. So I wanted to amplify my voice through others voices through the educational aspect of it. But if it stops with the people who come to my class because you're you're depressed because you're anxious because you suffered trauma from working in the hospital setting for X amount of years or you feel disempowered for whatever reason. Um, it, it just it, it doesn't support the mission that we're trying to set forth with. So all that being said, I, I feel like a lot of nurses are very complacent in their roles, you know, and a lot of it is because we have to support our livelihoods and which is understandable, but I just feel like we have more opportunity to shift the way that healthcare runs because we are the largest health um, employed healthcare staff. So, um, you know, after COVID, the lack of PPE, the lack of staffing right now, the lack of patient ratios. I don't know if you heard of the recent story of the young lady who um, who is facing jail time for accidentally killing a patient with a medication. Oh, you didn't hear that story. Uh -uh. She I can't remember the name of the, the medication that she accidentally gave, but it was a paralytic that accidentally killed the patient when she was going for Versailles. That's absolutely, that should never have happened to that woman. That should never, you, and then they said that only, the only thing she typed in was the letter V and the letter E. And she was able to pull that dangerous medication out of the, the medication fixes or whatever they use. And she was able to administer. Where are the checks and balances? Right. So I just feel like we're put in so many situations because we are the administrator of the care 
we're the last person between the patient and whatever is being offered to the patient. We bear the brunt of the blame more often than not. So that's why we're the ones that's always feeling like we need to take, you know, pick up and handle more than we can bear. And it's a women driven profession. So that's something that's already innately embedded in our society as women to be able to do it all, you know, so um, definitely not happy with the way things have kind of played out for myself and then for others as well. Yeah. You mentioned nurses have become have become complacent in their roles and you know they have to support their livelihood and it's the truth. I, I would agree that nurses have become complacent in their roles. Yeah. When I I'll just say this one more thing. When I learned what real advocacy is I was like, and like, it was a culture shock to me. I was like, oh, wow. Like I'm supposed to use my voice to say something that's different than everybody else. It was like, I, I really had to take a, like a mental flip switch to say, hey, like you are supposed to do these things and you should have been doing these things, but why weren't you? And it's because of the way that the system is set up. We're not really, it's not really intended for us to speak up when we feel like things are wrong. Nurse Deck's community advocates are passionate nurses who share their stories with our community and their followers. So apply today to join our Scrub Verified program. You'll work with a community that celebrates diversity and values your opinions, access support and guidance from other Scrub Verified nurses, get free Nurse Deck gear every month, and become eligible for cross-promotion. There are also opportunities to work with us on a long-term basis by joining our advisory panel, where you can influence NurseDeck's growth and development to advance nurses' well-being globally. Interested? We'd love to have you. Check out nursedeck.com programs to learn more. So what is your best message to our future nurses to accelerate their passion in nursing and pursue the nursing career? First, know why you're doing what you're doing. Um, I think a lot of us want to be nurses or are nurses because we have a true passion for caring for people. Um, and I, I feel like a lot of times it, it gets lost in all of the chaos around us so whatever it is that you're intended to do wherever you see your passion to be don't forget that and refine it so that way the impact that you're supposed to make makes sense you see what i'm saying it's like mm -hmm. we, we have to be there to care for patients at the end of the day like it is definitely not my messaging to tell people to leave the bedside no matter how chaotic it is because we are required to be there in order for healthcare to function but at the same time we are individuals that needs to be empowered and uplifted. So taking some real time to realize that the hero that you actually are and what makes you that hero. What are the things that you were designed to be to, to that makes you who you are? Don't forget your extracurricular activities. Don't forget to exercise. Don't forget to get sleep. Don't forget to care for the family that supports you while you're away from your home for 14 hours at a time. Don't forget those things. You got to take care of yourself. That's right. You, you got to sleep, got to exercise, take care of yourself. You mentioned also heroes. Walk us through your approach and transfer, transforming nurses into heroes. 
Yeah, so that's that's actually something that has derived from my book that I'm working on. Um, it's called Stigmatized, and it actually walks through um, the the hero's journey in a different kind of approach where I pull out some of the major archetypes that exist in the, the full human perspective. And it only walks through nine of the 12 archetypes because obviously I haven't fulfilled my purpose and I haven't become the whole version of me that I'm supposed to be. But there are some very distinct moments in time where I feel like I personally was exhibiting these hero-like traits and I didn't realize it. And it caused me to uh, almost com combat the evolution that was intended to happen. So what I do is I, I we break down the characteristics of each archetype and then we apply it to that nurse in different moments of time and then pull it together so they themselves can create the story of what their hero's journey actually looks like. And you said you're, you're writing a book and it's called Stigmatized? Yes, ma'am. Cool. When, when do you think it'll be out? Girl, book writing is not easy. <laughs> oh, it's not. I wrote one. It took me four and a half years. <laughs> So it wasn't actually writing it that was difficult because it was sitting right on my heart when I wrote it. But the actual process of getting it edited and getting it right is is the part that, you know, has been a, like sharing it with friends and it's, you know, most raw form and, um, you know, getting feedback, like all of these things, these events that have occurred since I've written it and since it's been in editing um, have definitely been transformational in and of itself. But I'm hoping by April, May time, um, we'll be able to have it released. Um, definitely before the end of the year. <laughs> but um, yeah, so really it just walks through my experience, my 14 years as a nurse, um, some of the, it talks about postpartum depression, you know, again, another area where people are stigmatized often. Um, it talks about nursing school. Like a lot of people don't realize the, the challenge of going through nursing school compared to some of, of these other um, degree programs. Um, my first years as a nurse, like those transitions where I was retaliated against, where I experienced bullying and all those kind of things and really empowering myself to identify who I was in that moment and how that played a part into who I am today. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> I would like to read it. Okay, all right, I'll let you know when it comes out. <laughs> Thank you. So what are your thoughts on the community? How do you think nurses can benefit from the nurse Dex community for nurses? Say it again, ask the question again. What are your thoughts on the community? How do you think nurses can benefit from the nurse Dex community for nurses? Um, I, I believe that we need a place to just communicate with each other in a very safe space. Um, I don't know how radical this thought is. I haven't really tested it out with anybody else, but um, we do have like professional organizations, but I don't know if they are necessarily places where the average floor nurse, where they can really feel safe about expressing themselves. Um, nurse deck, I just feel like is, is a benign community just to, you know, pull together ideas and support each other and just, you know, express yourself. And I think we need that more often than not. And again, I mentioned the bullying, I mentioned that we're a woman driven profession or a majority woman profession. And I feel like some, that nurses eat their young thing is real. 
you know so we have to find places where we can go to not feel the burden of being eaten alive because maybe you didn't know something or you make a mistake or whatever right. so imperative definitely imperative it's definitely a place to go for support and to talk to like-minded people because we understand we get it yeah yeah is there a topic that you would like to discuss or address that we have not mentioned um no i think we covered a lot i did good yeah you did great so um are you on our stick social it's like a facebook say it again um are you on nurse tech social have you been on there it's it's like a facebook oh, yeah. great yeah yeah i did i did well i would love to continue the conversation there and thank you for your time today of course thank you so much for having me thank you so much have a blessed day you too this has been a nurse tech production hosted by np jamie smith and rn brianna kinney orr this episode was produced and edited by Juan Paolo Toison and Julia Taliesin. Join us on social.nursetech.com to connect with podcast hosts and guests and experience a truly nurse-centered online community. Thank you for listening.